Hello and welcome to Journeys, a series of podcasts from Cultural Enterprises. My name is Jill Fennick and I am the Chief Executive of the Association for Cultural Enterprises. Over the course of the series, I will be chatting with colleagues from across the cultural sector, all in senior roles and commercial activities, in a bid to unearth the person behind the job title. This series was prompted by a reflection on my own journey in our sector, much of which was more by accident than design, and a curiosity about the journeys of others. We'll find out how they got here, what they've learned along the way, and their thoughts on the future of our sector. I hope you enjoyed the series. I have with me today, Karen O'Connor, who is Director of Commercial Enterprises at the National Museums Liverpool. And I'm delighted to welcome you, Karen. Welcome to this session. Thanks, Jill. It's lovely to speak to you. Well, we've known each other many, many years. I realise that. But how long have, have you how long have you been at NML now? So in September last year, it was 25 years. One of my staff very kindly uh, mentioned to me that I started working at NML the year she was born. So <laughs> that always makes you feel good. Let's start at the beginning then. How did you get into the UK cultural sector? Was, was this your first job or where did you come from? Uh, no, not really. So um, quite by accident, as I think a lot of us end up here by accident. I'd always worked in retail while I was studying. So Saturday girl in a shop. And the whole time I was a student, I worked and um, I worked for the Irish company Dunn Stores. We had a branch in Liverpool at the time, really old fashioned drapery store as they called it we had to call each other miss miss o'connor miss o we never knew each other's names it was so it was a really it was a really unusual experience but um they were they did everything manually they had no epos system no inventory system so i, I learned retail really manually and um part of my I was just a retail assistant I never worked in management but I always loved the business side and I had a brilliant manager who taught me everything about running a retail business from managing a stock take how to deal with staff um, forecasting the business and my job was to forecast stock cover which we did manually on a weekly basis in a big red ledger book and, and I loved the business side um, yeah, of, of yeah. retail. So I was always ringing the cash office to do an hourly read. Where are we to target? And where, so the, the managers were delighted with that because <laughs> this upstart was um, trying to run the business for them. So um, I, when I graduated, I stayed working in the shop full time. Um, and I, I studied, of all things, theatre costume because I wanted to work in the theatre. Mm -hmm. um, but the whole time I was there, I really loved the business side to the to the point where one of my tutors said to me that I'd be really frustrated being a costume maker and I should think about being a wardrobe manager because I was obsessed with budgets, timescale, delivery, what everybody else was doing. So um, when I graduated, I decided I wanted to be a freelance costume maker and I was actually working in the shop and setting myself up as a freelance ballet tutu maker. So there's not many people can say that you've struck me down. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm so glad I can surprise you after knowing you for so long, Bill. Um, so while so I was doing this and I, I had a lot of work on. So um, I was working 40 hours in the shop. So I was looking for another retail job to tide me over while yeah. I set my business up and I saw an advert for a retail assistant at what was then National Museums and Galleries on Merseyside. Yeah. 
um, I'd, I'd never even thought about commercial businesses in museums. It was a job in a shop and I thought I can do that. And um, I've got more time on my hands to make my ballet tutus. So um, I went for the interview, got the job. Um, and from the minute that I started being in the, um, in the environment, the museum environment, I, I loved it from the start. So yeah. my choice was right. I had the right temperament to work in the arts and I got to use the business skills I had. And um, so that's how I started with National Mu NMGM, as it was then, National yeah, Museums yeah, and Galleries yeah, on Merseyside. Yeah. And really quickly, um, once I was in the business as a retail assistant, I realised how much I knew about retail and so did the rest of the business. Yeah. So within about about three months I was a, a team leader then assistant manager manager and and I was within about three years I was head of retail and that was the post I occupied for 17 years as you know Jill that's how yeah. I knew you as, as head of retail yeah. um and um yeah we've grown the business just you know threefold since then and within the last few years I've taken the lead in the whole of the business so currently I'm looking after five shops, an online shop, five cafes, an event business and a box office. So that's Big the job. journey. That's a massive job, but I do have Big to ask job. what happened. What happened to the tutus, I have to ask. Well, I actually did make a ballet tutu. It's a very specialist skill, making a ballet tutu. I can well imagine, yeah. It, it follows quite a strict convention. Um, yeah. And I did make one a few years ago for my niece who it goes to dancing and to see if I could still do it. Um, I could, but it was really, really hard work because I've not done it for so long and, and my eyesight's not as good as it was then. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I can still do it and I still do make things, but I don't like making things for money. So I only make things for people I like. So oh, if I've ever, made, ever made you anything, it's because I like you. Oh, well, I don't think I'll ever need a tutu, but I'll remember that, Karen. <laughs> Thank you so much. I wish I did. I wish I wish there was a prospect. What's the best aspect of your current role? I think the best thing about it is, is the variety. So we're a multi-sided organisation and mm -hmm. all those business outlets that I'm responsible for, literally no two days are the same. And, um, you know, working with a great team of people and it's been really that's the thing about being in lockdown that was the yeah. worst was not being in the room with people um and uh, you know especially as we were recovering the business it I find it difficult to be creative over video I, I think you need to feel the mood in the room and um you know I, I, that's what is really great is working with a great team of people uh, we have worked on some really amazing things over the years just really huge projects we had we've had a rock concert at museum of liverpool we had the terracotta warriors and you know last month in museum of liverpool we hosted the g7 it, it literally we it, it's that scale of um projects but really the best thing is just being here and seeing the visitors loving what we're doing and mm -hmm. You know, that that is the best thing about about the job. I always say in commercial, it's like instant gratification, pay as you go rewards for the job because you see the smiles on people's faces and the money in the till. Yeah. And um, sometimes I spend a lot of my time working on strategy, working on my own. It's just not the same as a as as 
seeing the benefits of what you're doing immediately. So that, you do when you're on the shop floor and things, don't you? you? Do. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I mean, Liverpool is a fantastic city with a rich history, obviously, and more than music, but it's a maritime port. It's all, all sorts of things. Um, but do you find that your visitors are particularly a local crowd or is it more than that? It's, it's different uh, venue by venue. So um, in World Museum, where I am right now, it's uh -huh. a really local audience. And it's interesting because I've been visiting these museums my whole life. I have an experience of what it's like to be a visitor and, and the role it plays in your life. And especially for families, we're a free attraction, you know, educational. There's loads of things you can do here. In this venue, people come really really regularly we have a really high repeat visit rate and when we came out of lockdown um our, our business actually bounced back quite quickly here because Gosh. most of our market is local and I know that's really unusual and we were very lucky it is. Mm -hmm. but at our waterfront venues we do have a lot of international tourists and and a lot of national tourists too but when you think about Liverpool you think about that waterfront and looking at the Mersey and the liver buildings and all the, the images that people will have in their minds when you say Liverpool and yes, yeah. it's more tricky there it's been more tricky but the thing that has been great is I think people are falling back in love with the city so locals are you know starting to come back and really notice the, the benefit of being of, of what we've got on our doorstep and I think we take it for granted and when um, we were in lockdown and you could go out for a walk with people, it was actually quite crowded at the waterfront with locals okay. who were just mm -hmm. loving being in the city. And, you know, our venues are right at the heart of that and that sense of place and even just being outside of our venues was really important to people. So actually, I think people have renewed their love affair with our venues somewhat and I'm really hoping that that will carry on, that people won't forget us again and they will value what they've got in, we've got in our city because not everybody has the amount of cultural offer that we have. We're really, really lucky. You are, and I mean, that Albert Dock development um, some years ago is, is a jewel in the crown, isn't it? The listeners who don't know what National Museums Liverpool constitutes, give us a, give us a run through the... So we, we have seven museums and galleries all mm -hmm. based in the Liverpool city region. So we have three museums, World Museum, which is a, a multidisciplinary museum. We've got an aquarium, we've got planetarium, dinosaurs, all the things you might imagine. We've got a maritime museum, which is down at the waterfront. And just across the way is Museum of Liverpool, which is our newest uh, venue. It was 10 years old last year. And that was a built from scratch museum. So that is an amazing building down there. We've also got art galleries. We've got the Walker Art Gallery, the Lady Lever Art Gallery and Sudley House Art Gallery, which isn't in the city centre, it's out in Mossley Hill. And the museum we're really proud of is the International Slavery Museum, which mm -hmm. is part of our maritime museum complex. We are currently working on plans to develop the International Slavery Museum. So watch this space. This will be the next exciting thing that we do. But, you know, during lockdown, the International Slavery Museum has had a real voice, um, you know, in, in terms of the Black Lives Matter, um, mm -hmm. you know, the situation that happens in lockdown. And I think what is really important to us as an organisation is having 
having something to say is not just reporting on the past, but actually talking about, you know, social justice. And um, yeah, we are a very, we're a very diverse organisation. We've got lots of different venues. So um, shameless plug, if you've not been to Liverpool, you really should come (laughs) and see some of the amazing things we've got going on. What have you been most proud of in the time that you've been there? Managers always say, that they're most proud of the team and I'm no different I am most proud of my team but the thing that I am most proud of about them is that they just never say no they just always seize the challenge and I think the moment that that came to its fore was was when we had the Terracotta Warriors exhibition oh yeah I mean that is the dream exhibition for museums it is you know yeah, it, yeah. it it just put us into a stratosphere that We've never been in before and, and we probably won't be in again to be, you know, to be realistic about it. And we we chose that moment to introduce lots of new elements into our business. So we opened our own box office. We procured a ticket and solution and did ticketing ourselves in house. So, you know, and everything that that. you know brought with it. It was yeah, a huge yeah. undertaking. And, you know, we knew that we had. A monster on our hands but I think even we underestimated the demand for ticketing so we had to learn it on our feet we chose that exhibition to be the time we took over commercial publishing and that exhibition catalogue was the first book I'd ever published and we don't have a publishing department we have me and a publications manager and we developed that book between us with you know really great professionals that we brought in to help as an editor printer designer and we were just lurching from one thing to the next the the tale I always tell is the designer emailed the proof to me and said check the colophon and I went that's great what's a colophon um and you know we literally were just taking the challenge on and you know it, it paid off we huge development in our retail business it was on a scale that you know it was we did three folds the retail sales that year that we've ever done before mm-hmm. across the business and the same with catering and nobody complained nobody said we couldn't do it everyone had a smile on the face yeah. on the, the day we opened and the day we closed and mm-hmm. you know that what that has done for us as a business is it's given us a swagger a confidence that we can do things of that scale so when we do get new challenges, we don't think we're not big enough. We haven't got the infrastructure. We haven't got the experience. We th- we say yes and then go, and how are we going to do it? And I think that that's the lasting, that, that's been the lasting impact. But, you know, I, I think, I, you know, it's great. And I can sit here and tell you all about, I didn't do that on my own. I had a, I've got a huge team of people who are, you know, keeping the wheels turning. And, and that's what I'm most proud of. Well, that's quite inspirational. It really is, Karen. <laughs> Don't we all wish there could be another one could come along like Terracotta Warriors oh. as well, like you could, you know, spirit one up out of the air. How Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. yeah. What is the best advice anyone's given you today in your career? What is brilliant about this sector is there's always people around to give you advice. And I've asked loads of advice off people during lockdown. So if you're one of those people, cheers for that. Um, but the the best advice I think I had was when I was very first senior retail manager from the then director of our company um, as I'm sure happens to all of us is I had to to jump on the till because somebody phoned in sick and I had 
become a very important manager by that point and yes. you know and and I'd, I'd lost my touch clearly and my boss said to me this is the thing about businesses like ours is you can't lose sight of what's going on on the ground yeah yeah and and that is just that his advice rings in my eye my ears every day is you know it's great strategy is so critical and you know having great ideas but they are worthless if they're not translating on the ground if they're not possible to be delivered on the ground and um you know during lockdown when we reopened for a short period of time (laughs) because our team were furloughed we decided to operate world museum shop during half term on our own so i again spent three days on the till which my knees can't take it anymore as i found out but um it was just great the value of seeing people in the shop how it functions how it works you know that i think i just think that's really valuable advice Oh, totally. That back to the shop floor ethos is, is really critical, isn't it? So how have you yeah. taken that forward um, with the team? Do you have regular meetings with them or do you encourage all team members to get their sleeves rolled up? Or Yeah, so now that we are returning after being in lockdown and we've been working at home, we're moving to an agile working model. So we haven't got fixed offices with hot desks around the organisation. So for us, with us being a multi-sited operation, it's about us not sticking to where our, our desk was, about being around the venues. So there's, you know, loads of space, sit in a cafe, see what's going on, let the team see you. So they're coming and telling you things. They've got the answers. So yeah. it, it, I think yeah. it's about being highly visible is, is, is the trick. And, and as I've said, I enjoy it too. That's where yeah. I get my inspiration from. So um, that's really how we manage to do it. It's not always possible, but it's a, that we factor that in it yeah. is is being around be see, see and be seen i absolutely agree i couldn't agree more and on the other hand um what would what advice would you leave to, or give to someone because you're not leaving yet but what <laughs> advice like, would you ready. give would um, you pass on i'm giving this advice to myself as much as to anyone else okay and, and that is you are the expert in your business what we do is highly visible and lots of people are going to have opinions about what we do and their opinions are really valuable in lots of cases, but it's really difficult, especially when you're a less experienced leader to not let that influence what you know from your experience and in your gut to be the right thing to do. And I think when I think of mistakes that I've made in the past, it's when I've allowed myself to, be veered away from what I know to be the right thing to do and and I think under you know respecting your own experience I think is really really important and and choose who you listen to you know sometimes it means editing people out but the group of people you should never edit out are the customers they are the ones who have all the answers and their opinion is the one that consistently matters it's very dangerous, isn't it? Because everybody thinks they're a retailer because they shop. That, that exactly. Can be the case, you know, yeah. so you, you can get quite uh, browbeaten by, Ab- by absolutely experts yeah. at times. That's absolutely brilliant advice. The cultural sector. I mean, we don't want to dwell on the past. We don't want to dwell on the recent past. So let's have a look at what we think about cultural retail over the next five years. What what changes do you foresee? The pandemic has probably accelerated things that 
we would have done anyway. And when we went into lockdown and everyone was in the same situation, we didn't know what was going to happen. We almost said amongst ourselves, we're we're going to be good to people here. We're going to be good to our customers, good Mm -hmm. to our clients, good to our staff, good to each other. And that was really important to us. So we did all the right things. We sent our food to a food bank. We sent our PPE to the local hospital. We looked after our staff. We knew that people would be going through things. And as we were coming out of lockdown and we were talking to events clients whose weddings have been cancelled and the devastation that brought for them. And we realised the flexibility we were going to have to apply as a business to put people at the forefront of what we did. Um, so so that that's one I think really valuing people is going to be a thing. And Mary Portas has written a book that I've bought but not read, as you do. <laughs> called called the kindness economy and I think that being kind to each other and looking after people's well-being is really critical and then that extends for me into who we are as a business and how we do business and how the values of our organization are embedded into how we do business you know are we procuring in a way that you know fits in with our modern slavery statement are we dealing with local suppliers are we bring an economic benefit back to the local area are we you know developing our teams and really you know bringing some benefit to them giving them the type of career I've had in the same organization yeah. you know and then thinking about the environment are we are our products sustainable are we we all know we sell sell too many plastic toys yeah, what are yeah. we doing about that all of those things and I think for me the people are going to be really concerned about where they spend their money and they are going to be more choosy. And there was a bit of a backlash against retailers who behaved quite badly during the the middle of the pandemic and Mm -hmm. people were choosing not to spend money with them. And, you know, of course, we're only as good as the money we make, but actually we're here to make money, but not at any cost who are we as a business and for us that is going to be embedded in our strategy going forward is is who are we as a business and how do we do business and uh, you know that is part of the legacy of the whole organization and we are at the center of that so for me that's the that's the future that's what our business is going to look like and it's hard isn't it for bigger bigger organizations to make those agile sort of you know changes presumably you're talking about the trading company when you say us so uh, um, yeah yeah but not necessarily because actually commerciality is really being brought into the heart of our organization because as there's pressure on you know on budgets and on granting aid I think being a cultural business the whole organization not just the commercial trading company is is going to be really key in applying that business approach and we try not to get too bogged down with who works for the, the commercial company, who works for the, the museum service. We're all one team. We're all doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, we should all be on the same page. And that that's really where we're at as an organisation. I do agree. I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges will be how can we be sustainable or green and still be commercial? That's one of the big things. Absolutely. It's going to trend in the, in the, well, quite rightly trend as well, because if there's no planet, there's no shop. Is there? Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, not to be trite about it, but but also that whole kindness culture. Uh, absolutely. We organize we, we as an organization um, do operate that way, but we are quite small. We've got 10 members of staff, so we can afford to 
to change things quite quickly. So we have endless holiday policy, that kind of thing. We've got all sorts of policies that try to create a kind culture to work in and it's really great to hear that you're endorsing that as well on a big yeah, scale. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What is your favourite work of art? Do you know what? This is a really difficult question for me because having worked in theatre, I love music, all of that, it changes daily. But so <laughs> I'll tell you about the first piece of art that I ever fell in love with. I think that's that's probably easier. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, it was uh, painting in the Walker Art Gallery because, as I said, I've, I've visited National Museums Liverpool my whole life. And it was a painting called um, Mrs. Catherine Smithgill and Two of Her Children. It's a, a portrait of a family by Tiso. Um, and the reason why I, I immediately loved it, and I was nine at the time, it's, um, <laughs> is, is because, is, is the reason he painted it was because obviously a beautiful family who were rich, lived in a gorgeous house, had lovely dresses. Um, and that was why I loved it. It looked like a beautiful life. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and it really stuck with me. And we went to the art gallery quite a lot because it was a free day out. And yeah, um, yeah. I, eventually I loved it so much. I bought a postcard of it with my own money in the gift shop and I blue tacked it above the fireplace in my Cindy house and <laughs> there it stuck forever and, and actually it's without being too deep that that postcard has symbolized my life that that actually that postcard which I remember making the purchase my job is now recreating that experience for people Oh, that's, that's quite brought to you to my eyes Karen is, is when is that moment when you um, engage with something yeah, in a museum yeah. you can't take it home but yeah. you can take the postcard home and and that is that's what we sell it is for, it me, is. for me is is the memory of that that wonderful day out and and so so although it's not currently it's still a beautiful painting please go and see it I will. Um, I've made is, a note. Is, yeah. is, is it's it's the one that resonates the first cut is the deepest as they say yeah. um so yeah. that's the one that resonates with me so so i quite often think of that moment because you know that for me is the is the gauge am i creating that moment for people if i'm not i, sh I should sell something else and lastly what's your happiest place in the pandemic it's it, things have changed I have a very busy life. Everyone has a really busy life. But I was trapped at home for three months with my husband and son, which was, <laughs> which was wonderful, Jill. Um, and, and actually, we don't spend time together like that because we've got busy careers. And, you know, it, having, and spending those endless weekends just at home together, mm -hmm. we actually really valued just being at home together and, you know, that time together, something we've carried on, really valuing at least one day at the weekend when we don't do anything else, but we do something together. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily at home now. We can go out to other places and, yeah. and do it. And I think that, that's my happy place is just really having that balance from the busy work week to just spend time with the family directly. If, if that time was on a beach in Ibiza anytime soon, that'd be lovely too. Yeah, but it, it, that, that, that's, that's it for me, really. It's just being with the family. And have you managed to keep that up to maintain that life-work balance now that the restrictions have lifted? Yes, we have. Our New Year's resolution was to go out for Sunday lunch together every week. Well, we're only three weeks in, but we've managed oh, it so yes. far. So, oh, yes. fingers crossed. A lesson to us all, Karen. <laughs> 
Thank you ever so much for taking the time out of a very busy work schedule to talk to us today. It's been absolutely brilliant. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks again, Karen. Thanks for asking me, Jill. Thank you.